Welcome to Brewcast from Maze and Brew on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm Luke Yardy, joined as always by Anthony Broom and Chris Castellani. Here with you on Monday night, November 2nd, headed into Tuesday, November 3rd. A lot to get to here on the show here today. Also streaming live on Twitch. Thank you uh, if you've joined us here on Twitch. And uh, don't forget, uh, leave whatever messages or questions anything uh, in the chat as we will be streaming live on twitch at least for the foreseeable future i don't see us stopping anytime soon so uh, before we get into everything yeah exactly before we get into (laughs) everything though uh anthony chris non-sports related how are you guys doing doing pretty good overall um mandalorian's back we have our health the country is in a stable place so Everything is uh, everything's good, as good as it can be. I'm, I'm really excited to um, react to what I see was the biggest development of the weekend and, and what took place over the weekend. So, no, I'm I'm with you, man. It's uh, yeah, you know what's you know what's too well, you know what's too bad is uh, on Friday. Uh, things were looking pretty darn good. Uh, you know, we got the the story of the week, which was Juwan Howard pulling in his first uh, five star recruit. Um, we Huge. can't overlook that. That's a that's a big deal, uh, especially you know, you know there seemed to be a lot of people who thought that uh, this <laughs> that, that the Juwan Howard era ended when uh, two five stars fell through his fingertips. Guys are recruiting full, and he cares a lot about what he's doing. That's a big story. Like you said, Mandalorian premiered. Uh, you know how I feel with the Tigers uh, snatching up A.J. Hinch. I thought that was wonderful news. Uh, so, you know, f- Friday was good, and I hope everyone else had a good Halloween. <laughs> yeah, Halloween was a lot of fun, and I spent a lot of time on Saturday evening watching Caleb Houston film. I'm really – Really excited about what he brings to the table. I think uh, from a skill set standpoint, I think he reminds me a lot of probably as a freshman, um, well, what you'll be getting in him as a freshman is what you have now in Isaiah Livers, maybe a little more upside there. So I don't know how you're, I don't know how you come out of this weekend, anything but excited about the future of, of Michigan basketball and really just Michigan athletics uh, as a whole. That's the only thing I can really recall taking place. So yeah. Is is this, Oh, go ahead, Chris. Well, no, that is a good point, but I mean, we got to address the biggest story of the weekend: Shawnee Brown. Uh, Shawnee picture. Brown, too. That of was, course. That's, and people are really overlooking that. I feel that that is that's a big deal. That's a big deal for this basketball team. I think outside of Isaiah Livers and Franz Wagner, I think he's probably going to be the third best player on this team. Maybe even has a higher upside than than a, a senior. A leader in Isaiah Livers. I mean, this was one of the, a big time recruit went to Wake Forest. Um, you know, it, it's one of the few benefits of COVID, I guess, is that everyone who's asked for a transfer waiver has gotten one. So, um, things you know, things are looking up for for Juwan Howard's crew. Yeah, yeah, I think honestly, the the Shandy Brown thing, man, that might take Michigan from. Uh, you know, middle of the pack, big 10 team to, to maybe a top third team and potentially might surprise some people and uh, compete for a big 10 championship here this year that followed by uh, the recruiting class coming in, you know, led by Caleb Houston. And uh, things are definitely looking up a lot of reason for optimism right now. Yeah. And you look at it now and, and with, with Chandi being eligible, you have a team that could be 
maybe nine or 10 deep uh, heading into the year. And then next year, you're going to have a really talented young team. So again, as I sit here today, a few days removed from the weekend, a few days removed from everything that took place on Halloween, I can't sit here and say anything other than positive things about how I feel about the trajectory of the program. So are we missing something? You know, I'm almost tempted to keep this ruse up because I really, <laughs> I, I really do like this, the way we're going with this. But you, it, I'm already imagining what. Oh, I, I'm I'm sorry. Uh, I thought the football team didn't show up Saturday, so I didn't think we needed to talk about them. They didn't well, show know, up, right? so why did we even why, show up? Why are we here? Did they Did they play? Yeah. So oh, just, they they played. <laughs> they yeah. played all right. Yeah. No, unfortunately, we do have uh, to uh, discuss that. I'm I'm just I'm already laughing at the person who tuned into this for five minutes. And, like, <laughs> and already, I, I think we, we had, we, we actually did have about six people leave already. <laughs> we're, we're gonna have we shouldn't thing. laugh at that because that's scaring away the audience, but. Um, yeah, it's, it's today. I, I get it, but we're going to have that one star review that says they didn't even talk about it today. You know, for the people I, who listen to five minutes. That, no, so we're going to discuss it. Saturday was so brutal, man. Uh, so real quick before we get into what the happened? game, how my how my <laughs> night ended, dude, was just nightmarish. So not only did just the stink of that game uh, follow me around all day, I, I have another stink that's followed me around because we were uh, we had a little garage thing, not a Halloween thing. There was like four, five of us or whatever in my neighbor's garage on Saturday night, just hanging out because we couldn't do anything for Halloween, you know, or whatever. And so we, we have our dog and we're walking back and they live kind of across the street through our backyard oh, no. and we're walking back. And all of a sudden, next thing I know, my dog has a skunk in its mouth, man. Oh, like, oh like no, to, that's a fitting trying, metaphor, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> trying to rip it to shreds. And let me tell you, the skunk won the battle because my dog had it, let it go. And then the skunk said, all right, partner. And then just gave it a nice big old spray. So I had to deal yeah. with that Saturday night and that stink is still following me around. I don't know which is worse, the stink of that or the stink of this Michigan, Michigan state game. It was literally that bad. I'm actually game. thankful. Yeah, it's I had game. to. I actually had to work. I had to call uh, a Marquette football game on Saturday afternoon, their first playoff game. So I watched the first half from the press box, from the booth, and then I had to turn it off and do that game. And then I look up afterwards and, you know, first half, I'll give you my thoughts and I'll let you guys do because you guys watch the whole game. First half, I'm like, all right, I'm concerned a little bit. But, like, Michigan is much more talented than this team, right? So, I'm like, all right, Joe Milton, he had some happy feet, first thing that I noticed. And also, Michigan couldn't run the ball. There were two pretty big factors there. But I thought the defense would settle down, particularly the secondary. And uh, I look at the box score, and that really was not the case here, guys. Uh, Let me just say this. Uh, Anyone who has followed our podcast feed, followed the, the website, kind of knows where I stand on this game. And let me tell you, and I told you guys this earlier today, I have only gotten more angry the further we've gotten away from Saturday. Um, And I have some things to say about that for sure. But in the interest of fairness, in the interest of the feedback we've received before being uh, the loud mouth, Anthony talks too much. I'm deferring to you two guys because I'm, I have some more to say, but it's still bubbling up and I want you guys to, to, do your thing first. So, all right. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, I will start off with two and they are the, the, 
biggest well no one one is a legit comp compliment the other is the biggest you know backhanded you know uh, positive i've ever uh said on here but two positive things one uh i thought the way that uh the the post-game stuff was handled on mason brew this weekend was tremendous it always is um this is a, a moment in a game in which uh emotions are running high and you can get a lot of takes that go from just beyond pessimistic to legitimate bitter legitimately bitter and ugly uh we didn't get that this weekend anthony i thought you did a great job uh with the the post game pod on saturday the second and this is you know the uh, positive is probably isn't the right word if i'm doing a list of five worst losses that i've experienced as a michigan fan i don't think this crowd cracks the top five i don't think it's worse than trouble with the snap it's not worse than 2016 or 2018 Ohio State. It's not worse than the 2013 national championship game against Louisville in basketball. Um, it is, but with that said, um, I'm just like you. Uh, I because I'm glad we record these on Monday, and I say that a lot because you, you fans and broadcasters know this that in the moment following the immediate aftermath of, of an event, uh, you have a tendency to say things that. Um, you don't mean, and you look back on it a couple, even a couple days later and you say, what were you thinking? Um, but the anger I felt Saturday afternoon uh, has remained the same. And one thing that I think this show in particular and Mason Brew in particular has done a great job of since the beginning is I think being both patient, but also fair with our criticism of the Jim Harbaugh uh, era. Anthony, me and you were sitting uh, in Ann Arbor back when, you know, <laughs> this was a thing is sitting at a bar and watching a football game with people uh, after the or during the Wisconsin game in 2019. And that was a, one of the biggest moments in which you saw the fire Harbaugh. He needs to be gone. He's a failure. He's a bum kind of vitriol. I think we, for the most part, have avoided that. And you, you laid it out perfectly in your in your blog on Saturday, Anthony, where you said, look, the fact of the matter is, the reality of the situation is, he is going to be here at least until the end of next year. And you are right. I Well, before I give you know, my final thoughts here, before I pass it over to, to you, Luke, you are correct in that assessment. I truly, what I watched on Saturday was a prime example of a head coach that's lost his fastball that had a football team that was remarkably unprepared, unfocused, didn't value their opponent, overlooked their opponent, but even more so than that, because they could have done all of those things and still won the game because of the superior athletes they do have. And I know I got a little bit of blowback from this on Twitter, people saying that the superior athletes argument isn't a valid argument. It is. It absolutely is. You know why? Because we saw it in last year's game. You know, Michigan State got a 7-0 lead in 2019. Michigan throttled them in the final three quarters because they had way more talent on the field than Michigan State did. It was the same way this year. All those things of them being unfocused, unprepared, undisciplined, my God, with the penalties. The one thing that uh, stood out to me above, above all else was the lack of adjustments. And someone in the chat already put it in there that the coaching staff made. They were not prepared to play this game in the first half, which does happen, sadly. It annoys the hell out of me, but does happen. But they, were, they did not make the moves necessary in the second half to make sure that they came out on top as 20-plus point favorites. It's, it, it is a low point for Michigan football a, under Harbaugh, and I would say it's probably the lowest point for Michigan football as a whole probably since, 
I would say maybe the Shane Morris concussion game six years ago. I mean, when they were losing to Minnesota by 16 at home, it was that crushing of a defeat in my opinion. And I'll be honest for me, it's the, the worst loss of the Harbaugh era. And I think a lot of people feel that way. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you, Chris. It doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't hurt as much as like 2016 OSU or 2015 Michigan state. It's almost more of a, I'm not necessarily surprised by it, but it still hurts. You know, it's more of a disappointment than a mad thing because at the end of the day, it feels like if there was ever a year to potentially and not even get over the hump against Ohio state. I mean, we saw what they did to Penn state. There's no one that's going to beat them this year in the big 10, but something, you know, we see it every year, like towards the end last year, the second half of the Penn state game on it's like, okay, Michigan's building something into the next year. And now when year six, and maybe I'm an idiot for believing this long, but I, things just aren't going to change. I feel defeated more than I feel anything, you know, because it's like, it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen under Harbaugh at the same time. You know, do you, do you move on? What are the aspirations? Uh, I mean, I'm lost at this point because it's like, yeah, you could fire him. You're going to lose maybe the best recruiting class that he's had uh, since he's been here coming in in 2021. You're probably going to lose a lot of those guys, but at the end of the day, what's the ceiling for that recruiting class? Probably a two loss season and a second place finish in the big 10 East. Like that's it. Uh, Like you said, Chris, they were underprepared. They were, unmotivated they they lacked spark I, I don't know what's happened and i've said this before and they've kind of proved me wrong on the revenge tour and a little bit last year but it seems like there just has not been that fire since the 2016 osu game uh, and, and you know people make fun of it harbaugh lacking antics on the sideline and things like that but i've been a firm believer that that is a, a real thing that he always had his teams fired up ready to go in those first two years. And I haven't seen it from 2017 on. I, I think his demeanor uh, really translates over. I, I don't think they took this game rather seriously. And that's not a, I'm not trying to make excuses. It, it was just, you, you saw it out there. They, they didn't care almost. And I sure as hell hope they care now that Michigan state walked out of the big house with Paul Bunyan, but I don't know. I, nothing changes. It, it's, I don't, I, I'm at a loss for words. At this point, I don't know how you feel, Anthony. <laughs> how do I feel? How do I feel? Two days, uh, I've had two days to sit on it. I've had two days to write about it. I've had a couple days of listening back to press conferences, attending press conferences. How do I feel about it? I'm furious. I'm not going to get overly emotional here, but let me just say this. First off, first and foremost, can we retire the whole this game is Michigan State Super Bowl bit? Because honestly, honestly, that has always been kind of a backhanded slap to them that, oh, well, we they think it's more important than we do. It doesn't mean what you think it means. Because what you saw on Saturday was a team that was well coached and ready to play. And still didn't play that well. Go back and watch the game. Did Michigan State really play that well? Uh, Not really. Receiver receivers were good, you know, but they they it wasn't 2013, right? Where they just yeah. imposed their will on the on the D line. Right. I know I get what you're saying. 
Let, let me tell you, and it's never been more clear to me what Saturday was. And it's been what a lot of these losses, uh, well, it's, they've never had a loss like this. When you say this is the most maybe embarrassing loss that they, listen, um, 20, 2016 Ohio State hurt, 2016 Iowa hurt, trouble with the snap hurt, 2018 Ohio State hurt, 20, I mean, all the Ohio State games hurt. This is the kind of, this was the last crutch. This was the last crutch that we've been, that, that this regime has had, that they win the games that they're supposed to against inferior teams, especially when they're big favorites. When you don't do that, what's left? What, what, do we, what is there to defend anymore? And I, I wrote the column, again, we talk about things we say emotionally, that we write emotionally. I wrote the column after the Wisconsin game last year. Did I kind of regret it? Yeah, it was emotionally charged, and I probably took a few things a little too far but I might've just been a year early. This is what you saw on Saturday from this coaching staff, because I don't question the effort of the players. I thought those kids played hard on Saturday. I thought that um, I didn't question the effort. The execution wasn't great, but they played hard. I didn't see again for the second week in a row when things went bad, I didn't see hung heads. I didn't see, you know, those types of trademark things we've seen, What you saw on Saturday on both sides of the ball, offense and defense, running the ball into the teeth of the Michigan state defense on the defensive side of the ball, not adjusting when they're just taking shots down the field. What you saw was an attitude from the coaching staff that this team that we're playing today is not good. They're playing above their heads. And we think that we're just going to drop our package on the table and we're, we're going to do what we're going to do. And it's going to work because they'll, they'll crack. Eventually they didn't crack. And to your credit, you didn't crack either, but you also didn't come to play. And, and again, Jim Harbaugh's not getting fired. He's not getting fired before the season's over. He won't get fired after the season. If he's gone after this year, it's because he retires, goes to the NFL, what have you. He's not, he's not getting fired. But I got to tell you, and he is at a critical stage of his coaching era at Michigan right now, the same way that Mark D'Antonio was the last couple of years in that yeah. – if you let, if you stay loyal to Don Brown and some of the things that have been going on, on the defensive side of the ball, it's going to cost you your job and your legacy too. And it's already, I mean, Mark D'Antonio won big 10 titles. You don't have that. And when I sit here and the thing that still bothers me is that if this is an arrogant Michigan take, so be it. But every time that Michigan state's been good in the last 15 or so years, you have been the spark that lit their the fire that brings them out of the ashes, so to speak. What was Mel Tucker's recruiting pitch going into this game? He had nothing to sell. You just turn over the ball seven times. You lost to Rutgers. Should have been pummeled by Michigan. Everyone was expecting you to get pummeled by Michigan. He has a result to sell now. Yeah. What, what's Michigan's pitch to, to – what's their pitch moving forward? I mean, what is their – I, I don't, I'm still at a loss for words. And if it seems over emotional overcharged, I'm sorry, but it just feels like it's kind of run its course. It's a, I, that's where I'm at. It's run its course. I've got a, I got a question. So again, I, I didn't get a chance to watch the second game. So I don't know if I missed an injury. What is going on with Zach Charbonnet? He's got nine carries in two games. I don't know. I mean, what's no one is really pulled away there. Um, I don't know if he tweaked something again or um, 
it's just I, it's I, the stubbornness that bothers me. It's right. the the running right into the the middle of the defense. They were having success attacking the edges. They were having success, you know, kind of in the um, kind of with some of the short passes here and there. It, there was no creativity, and what it's just this is what's baffled me about Josh Gaddis is that I do think when he gets rolling, they move the football to, at a pretty successful clip. But there are times that we saw it in this game Saturday and times last year where the creativity just disappears. And I don't understand. I still don't understand. I got, I got two responses to the question you asked, Luke. And actually one from thing that you said and one thing you said, Anthony. Um, I, you brought it up, Anthony, that uh, Michigan was having success working the edges. I think that hurts. You're right. I think that hurts Charbonnet's carries because I don't think they view him as a get to the edge, uh, outrun guys type of back. Um, could he be? I don't know. They don't give him any carries, so we haven't found out. The only success Michigan had running the ball, and they had none, but the only minor success they had was uh, Corum and maybe Haskins once or twice getting to the edges. Those are the speedsters. Um, Blake Corum probably needs more touches. I mean, he didn't do much on Saturday, but just he seems like a college back. In terms of the creativity that you brought in, that you brought up, Anthony, they did get a little bit creative in the first mm. half. <laughs> Creatively stupid. Let me get back from my microphone here for a second. With the Wildcat, which 10 years ago should have gotten the same treatment that, that Lenny from Mice and Men got at the end of that stupid book. Like It is amazing to me that in 2020, that is still a thing that is run relatively consistently that people rely on to get more than two yards at a time on. Now, they ran it once. They ran it on second down with Haskins and a play later, which seemed for a minute like they were discombobulated. Milton seemed like he was ready to come into the game. I don't know if they were trying to catch him off guard or what. Haskins did not seem prepared uh, to take that snap. You call the play. Harbaugh tried to defend it. It's one of those things, you know, if it works, you look like a genius. If it doesn't, you look like an idiot. I'm not a fan of those kind of takes. Like, I think that, yes, there are a million things in sports where if you don't, uh, you know, if if one thing happens and you look smart, another thing happens, you don't. This is one of those instances where I, the metrics of that, the look of that, it's awful. It's awful because they were moving the ball. That was the only real drive in which they had any sort of momentum, any sort of rhythm. And that Michigan goes in there. They score. They tie that game. I think they end up winning, winning winning at fair and square uh, Michigan state played too well in the first half, not to go into the locker room with a lead. The fact that they carried a lead into halftime, it gave them a ton of momentum going into the second half. You know, I I've been, I've praised Gaddis before. I, I don't think Gaddis is a bad offensive coordinator. I think he's young. I think he's shown a, a lot of growth growth, even in the year plus that he's been here. That was uh that was egregiously awful. I mean, the fact that you had a quarterback that for the first time all game was getting into some kind of rhythm and, you you take him out of the game yeah, that's and credit credit to Antoine Simmons too uh, he yeah. made a great play and he, he was awesome he game. was the best player on either side of the field um the the problem I mean you alluded to it but you have a quarterback who like Joe Milton's not a burner you know he's not he's not Cam Newton like people were comparing him to but he's a guy who can be a running threat and I don't understand <laughs> you take you take the passer who has the potential to run off the field for the runner 
who has the potential to pass. Yeah. <laughs> what? Like I, I, I see someone in the comments here. If it would have worked, we'd all be talking about how great it is. Look, man, point is it didn't work. Like right. It didn't work. The success rate of that play is very small. Hassan right. Haskins, uh, obviously not great at throwing the football. Like, I don't care if it works in practice, man. Uh, you know, like it didn't work. That's the entire point of this. And like they're saying, you well, took whether, your quarterback off the and, and I get it. You want to try it once, you want to run it on second down. Yeah, I'm cool with it. You know, you scored a touchdown against Minnesota with it, but to run it two plays in a row, I mean that's just an egregious error. Stunning. Well, yeah. here's the thing too, and here's the flip side of that. Um, bad call, but if it worked, we'd been praising it. How about Giles Jackson taking the ball out of the end zone? and actually getting whatever it was, 30, 35 yards out of it, that was a terrible decision, but we're not talking about it because it worked. Mm -hmm. Sometimes bad decisions work, and we don't talk about them because they worked. But it doesn't make it a good decision. No, it's the no, 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 yes thing, which appears to be the type of quarterback that Michigan has too because um, Joe did not play as well in that game. And something that is a concern to me, forget about everything else we talked about, about the program, the state of it, the future – um, you know, everyone wants to see them take deep shots down the field, but in this game, what you saw is just how much they miss Nico Collins. Yeah. Um, Cause you don't have a wide receiver who can get separation and get open down the field. And the few or times, or they, just move the chain on third downs. Like that's, that would have yeah. been huge. Well, that's where, you know, Ronnie bell is kind of on a milk carton today. Like I really, we have not seen a ton of him these first two weeks and, He's supposed to be the elder statesman in the or statesman in the room there. So yeah. then you take those deep shots and and you know Joe the deep ball for him just isn't quite there yet. So um, and uh, you know on the flip side of that we talk about opt outs. You're obviously seeing how much they miss Ambry Thomas as well because listen um, and this is you know the cornerback play. It's a hot topic of discussion. Um, the fact of the matter is, and I know there were penalties. The reason that those penalties were called as often have been called as often as they are is because Michigan's corners are coached to be kind of grabby and physical to line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. And then when they get burned, you know, what you've seen with guys like Ambry Thomas, Levert Hill, David Long, Jordan Lewis, they they have been athletic enough to kind of rebound from that and maybe still make a play. Um if I'm not mistaken, and again, I know none of us are really the recruiting aficionados here. That's our Wednesday podcast. Listen to those guys. But with guys like Jamon Green and uh, you know Vincent Gray, I believe that the knocks on them coming out of high school were the long speed, the twitchiness, the, the change of direction. And this is a totally separate conversation that I'm sure those guys are going to have on Wednesday about this. But you know, at the end of the day, Jamon Green was, I believe, the number 382 player in the country. And Vincent Gray was like the number 700 player in the country. Your talent wasn't probably going to be good there if Ambry Thomas stayed opted in. So we could do a whole show about the issues on the defensive side of the ball. I, um, it kind I of. I think we should also mention the Harbaugh's comments today got a lot of flack, but he wasn't wrong. Vincent Gray is the best quarterback on this team. And a I bad think day. And he had a bad day, but it's also an indictment on the secondary. Let's be honest here. Yeah. I mean, Dak, Daxton Hill, they've switched him to corner in the second half of that game. That should be a permanent switch. I mean, yeah, I, you no can, question. no question. Any defensive coordinator worth his weight. Um, and again, people will argue that Don Brown is not that, but I think at least he is 
competent to slightly <laughs> I'm just not going to go there and gauge it, but you can scheme up safety help for cornerbacks. Now they didn't do that on Saturday, but no. listen, uh, Dax Hill needs to stay there because that was rough. I, I- I will say this though. There were some guys uh, that I was looking at this morning that kind of, you know, grind the film and talk about it. I don't know if you guys follow uh, space coyote at all. Sure. I really love, love his breakdowns and stuff. He did mention Don Brown did adjust a little bit into some zone schemes uh, with some too high help at the safety position. They were inside, they were playing the hashes, but it, it was still at the end of the day, your corners have to be able to to make plays, you know, and they just got absolutely toasted. And I don't honestly know where Michigan goes from here. And I think it's almost like the the press coverage might honestly be like, like I know they got exposed, but that might be their only chance and hoping guys like Aiden Hutchinson and Quiddy pay get home because other than that, this secondary is going to get, and that's where all year again, Harbaugh is getting roasted coming out of the game, roasted even more on Monday. And, And again, a lot of ways, rightfully so. But the one thing he did say today that carries a lot of water is that, when that pass, when that when Michigan's pass rush doesn't get home, and we've seen this in any game under Don Brown, or really any Michigan defensive game where things don't go right for them, is when that pass rush does not show up. I mean, it's a chain reaction through the rest of the defense. Um, and again, you start you start blitzing guys when when your pass rush isn't getting home, and then they're dinking and dunking you over the middle of the field. So it's one of those things where, at some point. You either either need to give your guys help or your talent just I can't even believe that we're talking about your talent's not good enough. And they just you guys know that this might be the only game that Michigan State wins this year, right? Like there's just, a scenario not good. Like and, and I give them a ton of credit. They played a I thought they played a very smart game on Saturday. I True. thought in terms of it it's, it's really to be honest, and I've kept quiet about it because you know, living around here, people go nuts. I really haven't believed that much in the Mel Tucker hire, to be honest with you. Like, I, at, the, at best, he's an unproven head coach. At worst, he's just kind of a journeyman assistant who he got a couple of head coaching jobs. Thought he coached a great game on Saturday. I think that's the biggest reason why they won. Like, it is the one area, and I, I talk about superior athletes, but is it is the one area in which Michigan is severely lacking in talent are, are their DBs, are their cornerbacks. And in the first half and in the second half, because Don Brown was unwilling or unable to adjust, uh, they exploited the weaknesses that uh, Michigan has to offer. Uh, I thought he, he coached a great game. It's still not a particularly easy schedule, and it's still – probably not a team that's going to win many more games. Like it is a disastrous loss because of that. And it could age. It could look even worse by when we, by the time we get to the end of the season and see what uh, Michigan state ends up doing. Uh, like what, where do we go Michigan back to talking about Caleb Houston? Seriously. Can we, can we circle oh, back to I, Like I'm, I'm back going towards the abyss here guys, because it doesn't set up any easier for Michigan. Uh, no. With Indiana this week, what Wisconsin the following week, Penn State in a few weeks, and then I, dude, at this point, like I don't want anyone to be unhealthy or catch COVID, but I hope the damn Big Ten shuts down before Michigan has to play Ohio State. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't I, wish I, that yeah. on anyone, but I get it. Um, <laughs> this is, I think, this is the thing that is probably the toughest thing to swallow for me is that realistically speaking and again it's a covid year nothing nothing makes sense in a lot of ways um this you can even argue this is an exhibition season but sure 
sorry, my brain. I'm I'm still getting brain freezes thinking about this game. No, I, I get it. At the end of the day, you're gonna. It's more. It's ninety nine point nine percent likely that you're gonna come out of this season, even if you get your stuff together, having lost to Michigan State and Ohio State again, which I think would be the third time in six years that's happened. And that can't happen. We know that Ohio state is historically great right now. I would argue that a more damning statistic of the Harbaugh era is the fact that they are three and three against Michigan state now and trouble with the snap. Again, that was, I won't, it was, it was a miracle. It was a, it was fluky. It is what it is. There's kind of an asterisk there, but that 2017 game, this weekend's game. I mean, guys, Jim Harbaugh is uh, one and six at home against these two teams. And I believe 29, 29 and zero against everyone else. Yeah. Wild stat. It's just so, it's so disheartening and listen. Okay. So we see this in the chat, like uh, this is from blues, blues, blues andos or blues sand Oz. I don't know. It says, do, we, do you want to go seven and five each season and beat Ohio three out of four years? Um, I think I hit on this earlier. The thing that we've been been saying as a defense for Jim Harbaugh is that you're going to win nine football games, nine to 10 football games every year. Um, probably lose to Ohio state, maybe get lucky now and then, but you're always going to beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. They're Most they, the they just lost. They just lost one of those games yeah. as a 20, you know, they open the week as a 24 and a half point favorite. That's, this is going, it doesn't, I'm not insulting you. I appreciate you being on and, and commenting and, and things like that. But listen, man, um, this is going backwards. Completely. This was a Brady Hoke era type loss. Yes. And oh people keep God, saying, yes. do, do you remember the Rich Rod and Hoke errors? I do. And that's why this loss feels so familiar and so hurtful to me because, again, um, it just can't happen. It, it can't Only- happen. If if there is any reason for optimism, any at all, it's the fact that this is an extremely young team in the second game of a pandemic era. Um, and obviously, the Minnesota win isn't looking a whole lot better after their performance on Friday night. I kind of had a thought no. we might be in trouble on Friday after yeah. Friday night. I'm like, oh, man, this ain't going to be that easy going into Saturday. Yep. Uh, all the ingredients were there. And... Mm. Michigan, Michigan put the final final nail through. Yeah, I, I want. And just, listen, oh, hand, hand to God, um, I said a lot of dumb stuff. A lot. I mean, everyone did. They were three. They were almost four touchdown favorites. Yeah. No, there's not. There's not a single person in the Michigan State fan base that's that had a feeling they had a chance to win that game. Not one. If you can find me one, I want to know. The, the lottery numbers, I want to know who he likes on the NFL board next weekend. He's a soothsayer. He or she is a soothsayer. It was, it was Gretchen Whitmer, I think, was the only one. Oh, my God. Well, no, we're not going there. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but um, re- yeah. Real quick, uh, I just I want to make – because, you know, I outside of my little, you know, post-game video, I, I, I stray off Twitter you know, recently. There is one thing I we, – we alluded to it earlier was Harbaugh's comments today – um, that had a lot of a lot of Spartan people up in arms. It was it was a twofold kind of comment. One was the the Vincent Gray. I still believe he's the best cornerback in the team. You know, I have no problem with that statement, whether it's true or not. And I, I agree with you, Luke. You're probably right. Harbaugh. I think there are some 
some subtleties, some minor things that he does that actually, you know, make him that make him show that he cares a lot about his players. And I think he is with that trying to instill confidence in a guy who just had a brutal game. I mean, Vincent Gray was on an island all game. The the second part to that though that a lot of people are going nuts about is the calls were made um, that it basically said calls were made that affected their performance. Now I sent this text to us in the group chat that made me laugh that you posted on the Mason Brook account and people were responding to it as if you said it, Anthony, like, like it was you who made the quote, you were quoting something Harbaugh said. Now the quote itself, it's asinine. You can't say that with in 2016, when they lost to Ohio state and he made the comments about, I'm bitterly disappointed in the officiating dumb, dumb thing to say. You know, but in the moment, especially at like five minutes after the game, in a game where there were some questionable calls in a very close game that one or two calls going their way would have decided it. I get that. You I, like I don't understand how this deep into not just his coaching tenure at Michigan, this deep into his coaching career, he thinks that's a good idea. As a almost like you said, almost a four touchdown favorite, and and you're you're going you're blaming officiating, really. I don't know. Well, here's, here's the thing about that though, Chris, is that this is another one where he isn't really wrong, except for the part that he's always played it wrong. You know what I'm saying? So You're right. yes, there, the DBs are kind of taught to play illegally. You know, they really were just throwing the flags because Michigan defensive backs are playing a lot of contact. If you go out since they hired Don Brown as defensive coordinator that's how michigan dbs have always played and anytime they call a tight game the officials michigan's defense suddenly starts to break down it's just they don't really call it like that that often but they were very technical were the officiating and and i'm not saying any of the calls were bad but it's michigan has always thought they could get away with play like that and they couldn't this time and the problem well, is they they've, they've been able to get away with it at times because like i said the david longs the jordan lewises the the lavert hills those guys were more technically sound football players and i think that yeah. uh, like i said and they have the they have they have the athleticism to recover when they got beat by some of these big 10 wideouts and and i don't the, if there's a guy on the roster that can do it right now, it might be Andre Selden, but we haven't heard a ton about him. And, and playing cornerback is a true freshman. And that's your special, special dude that's cut from a different cloth. It takes time. It really does. So, again, um, I don't know what else to say about that. Um, again, you know, kind of wrapping it up and putting a bow on this, It you know, it feels like if we didn't know what the Jim Harbaugh at Michigan – Michigan experiment was going to be, we know now, um, truthfully, I don't think it can get worse than that. I, I don't see them losing games to like Maryland. You know, if they start losing games to like the Maryland and Rutgers of the world, we might have to have start having a, a different conversation now, but well, this, this week's going to be uh, a measuring stick as well. And look, yeah. Indiana's a good ball team. They, they are, and they're well coached and they, they are, they are very reminiscent right now from what I saw from Minnesota last year, which is not the most talented ball club by any means, but a coach that has a system and a lot of guys in that locker room who believe in what they're doing. There's a togetherness to that team that makes them really scary. Um, And ultimately like, would it shock any of us if Michigan lost that game? No, but just I test a Michigan loss in the sixth year of the Harbaugh era to Indiana 
a team who, I mean, dude, what one is the last time they lost to him? 97 game winning streak. Right. Exactly. I mean, the last time they lost to him in either football or basketball was like 2016. I mean, it's been a long time. The look of that. I mean, I think it's already indefensible, but like, I, it, again, you, from the very beginning, if someone were to tell any of us that in year six, without a big 10 title, they were going to lose back to back games to a Michigan state team that they were trip or triple digits that they were double digit, almost three <laughs> touchdown favorites against felt like triple digits. And then um, go losing to an Indiana team. I, I the, the heat's going to be turned up. Now I, I, I agree with you, Anthony, he's not going to get fired, but a loss this week would essentially bleed over into two more losses. Cause you're not going to lose to Michigan state and Indiana, then beat Wisconsin and Penn state. I uh, it's, you know, if they even play against Wisconsin at this point, that's true. Which at the, yeah, at this point, another night game okay. announced the, the date for that today. So that'll be a seven thirty kick next right. Saturday at the big house. So if they play, we'll see. Um, right. But to me, it's well, the, the 30 for 30 of Jim Harbaugh's coaching career. And maybe just even his career at Michigan yeah. is going to have the Michigan portion portion of it. will have the following chapters to it. Trouble with a snap. Iowa, Ohio State 2016. Yeah. Probably those are two separate ones. Um, Ohio State 2018. Yeah, that's the big one. And this game. Yeah. yeah I, I would. We're at. I think that we, in two different years, um, saw this thing ascending. 2016, look, I, you know, I'm going to be honest. I 2016, I thought they were going to go to Columbus and win. And I've never felt that way before, really. Um, 18, I was even midway through the season. I was even more confident with the way that defense was playing. I mean, you had three, you know, Ohio state was playing too, right? Yeah. I mean that, that one, for some reason, that one hurts more to me because, and I I don't mean to make this a retrospective, but you know, here we are, we just, you know, anything to get our mind off of this game. Um, that one hurts even more because that was the first time where, um, I was like, wow, they might never get over this hump. Now they've not only not gotten over the Ohio state hump, but they've regressed like last year, you know, I know they played some good football down the stretch was a massive disappointment and it was a massive disappointment by week three, by week three, the season, like their goals were essentially behind them. Um, And now here we are again, man. I mean, I feel similar to how I felt like at the end of 2017, the biggest difference is that was year three and you didn't have a quarterback. Like there's no excuse. There was no monsoon over the weekend that they played in. There were no QB injuries. Milton, like Milton wasn't good, but he wasn't terrible. And you far from the reason they lost. Honestly, you look at, you look at the, all the games Harbaugh's lost in his tenure. Many of them had a similar running theme, which was the quarterback didn't play well in Michigan state, pretty much all five games they lost in 2017. Uh, the several games last year with Shea, you didn't have that excuse, perfect conditions. Yeah. No fans, whatever. Yeah. You still got outplayed. You know, And that's, that's what hurts the most. Well, I'll wrap it up by saying this. We heard all week after Minnesota, you know, talking to the players and whatnot, that uh, this is a different team than last year. You know, the demeanor's different. The body language, everything around this team was different than it was on last year's team. And we're going to find out on Saturday against Indiana. Anything else that you guys want to add? Uh, I just want to further drive home the point that um, Michigan lost that game Saturday because it's coaching staff, top to bottom, 
and I mean top to bottom, failed them. Um, and that's I think that's what I'm I'm the most disappointed about um, moving forward. It, it really it hits a little bit differently when you see them play hard and have a chance to win and not be put into position to win. Yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, that's I agree with you. All I have left. <laughs> my, my, my parting shot will be, and Anthony, you wrote this in, uh, in your blog on Saturday. Um, when it comes to criticizing Jim Harbaugh, it is undeniable that there is for many people, a level of personal vitriol that comes with it there there it goes beyond to many people just um uh, x's nose especially you know state fans people in the south you know they they're they they hate jim harbaugh the guy uh i know at least two of us have had inner personal interact you know here we go you know ring the siren here but two of us <laughs> have had personal interactions with the guy i like jim harbaugh i i think the guy is a is a he's a family man I think that he cares about his players. I think a whole lot of the uh, hatred that's been thrown his way regarding him as a guy, yeah, very quirky and and a bit awkward. But so are a lot of us. So are, so am I. Um, I, Why are I any of us been, here right now? <laughs> right, I think is has been at points unfounded and even more points unfair. I would love nothing more than to be talking right now about a coach who has led us or led this program to multiple Big Ten titles to several playoff berths. We are guys who give our criticisms based on evidence and based on performance. And it is not, I I don't think we've ever gotten personal with the guy. It is completely fair to say that where we're at right now, what we're talking about on this podcast is not stuff we ever expected to talk about when he was hired uh, in this program. And it's, it's brutally disappointing. Well, with that, Chris, I'll let you know where you're, or tell everyone where you can find you on social media. Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. There you'll find the link to my uh, my YouTube page where uh, I'll be – I'm continuing to review movies. It rebooted that, I think, in May, and uh, we're up – You know, I think that was – at the time, it was at like 300 subs. We're at uh, well over 1,000 now, so I appreciate all of you uh, doing that. You can find my uh, – other show uh, at Locked On Tigers on Twitter, doing a podcast on the uh, Locked On Sports uh, uh, Podcasting Network, talking Tigers. Uh, still a lot of off-season news. Uh, and and lastly, if people, if you haven't already, uh, tomorrow, if you haven't, vote, vote. It's important. No matter your affiliation, uh, no matter what you believe in, no matter who you're voting for, uh, this is a big deal, and it's very, very important. And you should go out and do that. I'm 25 years old, and I'm doing it for the second time voting in an election and uh you should too it's 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 very very important so do your civic duty uh, tomorrow if you haven't sent in your absentee already follow me on all those platforms i'd really appreciate it anthony how about you man yeah you can follow me on twitter at anthony t broom uh follow follow mason brew at mason brew on twitter we're on discord we're on twitch subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your show it's to kind of piggyback of what chris off of what chris just said I'm aware that uh, we've all been hit smacked across the face um, like a two by with a two by four with political ads, political commercials, um, you know, brands, social media. Listen, go out there and do just go out there and do it. Um, Stand in line. If you're in line when the polls close, they have to let you vote. So 
if you haven't done it already, you can't get out there until later. Your your voice does matter. So whoever you vote for, as go into it with an, an open mind and open heart. And whatever choice you make is the choice you make. And as, as long as you're, it's your choice. So um, my little PSA there, but uh, love you guys. We hate to uh, end on, you know, do these shows on a sour note, but we have to take the world as it is. We have to take the team as this as it is and not how we'd like it to be. So um, you can follow us on all those platforms. And again, went a little bit longer tonight, but uh, had some things to get off our chest and we appreciate your time. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Giardi, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. Same for Instagram. If you like food at all, do some cooking stuff on there. Love to barbecue, grill some steaks, stuff like that. Put it all on there. Uh, so you can do that on Instagram. And uh, don't forget, we do this on Twitch every single week. If you're listening on the podcast, man, we had a great time on Twitch here today. Uh, big thank you to everyone that hopped in the comments, man. This is the most we've had uh, on this show coming in. Uh, the comments here a lot of fun we even had some state fans get in uh appreciate you guys too for for coming in listening thanks for not dunking on us too hard yeah right yeah exactly (laughs) but uh really appreciate you guys coming in the comments whole lot of fun uh don't forget if you're listening to the podcast make sure to subscribe leave a review as well and uh you know as these guys said go out and vote tomorrow and uh enjoy the rest of your week so that's going to do it for us for my partners anthony brew and chris castellani i'm luke yardy and we'll see you next week on brewcast